this threefold command to Joshua, right? Starting in verse 6, we hear it in verse 7, and again in verse 9. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to your fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, right? He speaks specifically to Joshua in this one. And he promises to Joshua what he had promised to Joshua before at the end of Deuteronomy, which Nathan brought out for us even as he began to lead us in songs and singing, that God promises to be with him and never leave him or forsake him. That God makes a promise specifically to an individual. This is a big deal. Do you believe that God promises and is faithful to his promise in some massive corporate way? Have you internalized the reality that the God of the Bible is a God who makes promises specifically to individuals? That's a challenge here. That's a challenge for us to think about. And again, I will ask you, what is the root of your anxiety? Where is it coming from? Where is it coming from? His call to Joshua is simply this, be strong and courageous. He says it in verse 6, he says it in verse 7, and again he ends it in verse 9. Listen to this, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, before I began studying more about Joshua, I thought that this call to be strong and courageous was began in Scripture right here in Joshua. But if you go back and you read the end of Deuteronomy, you're going to find this command from Moses to the people and to Joshua from the Lord, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And you go, what would make me strong and courageous? What would it take to qualify as one who is strong and one who is courageous? For those of you with whom I've gotten to laugh and joke with, I have told you that without a doubt, I am a flighter, not a fighter. I'm not a fighter. I would love to be a fighter. I've always thought, man, wouldn't it be great to be a fighter? But man, I am a flighter. I can run, and all I have to do is outrun you, right? Because whatever's chasing us is going to get you. And so I have focused on that. What does it mean to be strong and courageous? I've often wondered, could I... Be termed strong and courageous. A command from God to be strong and courageous. Look at verse 7 with me. It blows it apart really quickly. Verse 7 reads this. Only be strong and very courageous. Turns up the heat a little bit. And then describing what strong and courageous is. Being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. What does it mean to be strong and courageous? to be strong and very courageous. God defines it in these three ways. Be careful to do everything that I've commanded you to do. And then not turning right or left is not deviating from the law. Letting the law of God be the law of God. And to be strong and courageous is to do the law, to carefully do it. 
Be strong and courageous. It says here, the second thing is don't let it depart from your mouth. There is a means by which God was saying, this ought to be what you speak about, this law. And why is that? We have been studying the two great commandments and what we discovered, and you can listen to the last four sermons if you want to, what we discovered is that in the law, God reveals himself who he is. And when we speak about something other than the law of God, we are creating God to be something other than he is. The law is integral to who God is because it's how he reveals himself. He says, don't let it depart from your mouth. And then the third thing that he says is he says, meditate on it so that when action choices are given to you, there is a response that is congruent with the law that you know who I am. Now we know that that law can be summed up in loving the Lord your God with your heart, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and loving your neighbor as yourself, right? And so when God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous, be strong and very courageous, this verse seven and eight is what he's talking about. That's where strength and courage comes from, right? And then this promise of prosperity and success. Now, before this goes off the rails, you need to understand that when the Bible talks about prosperity and success, the commentators say there's only one instance in which it could be even suggested that it might have financial application. But more often, in almost every other place, it talks about prosperity and success in your proper endeavors. Those things which the law of God would lead you to, right? Loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Loving your neighbor as yourself. To warp this into a health and wealth mentality is a warping. It is a warping. God speaks to Joshua, and his command is to be strong and courageous. And I want you to look at Joshua's response in verses 10 through 15. Joshua's response. Joshua heard God, and he remembered God. Joshua is new to you. He might be new to you because you haven't studied him before, but Joshua is not new on the scene in the Bible. First place that Joshua shows up is in Exodus 17, and Joshua is a general. He fights on behalf of God's people. He fights and he learns there in this fight that God is the one who will not tolerate rebellion and God is the one who is powerful. The fight was kind of unique because Joshua went and fought in the valley and Moses went and stood on a hill above the valley. And whenever Moses raised up his stick, the stick with which he struck the Red Sea and it parted, whenever he raised it up, then God's people would be winning the battle. But when his stick fell because his hands got tired, suddenly the, Amal 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 the Amalek, I can't say it. I can't get it out. You have to look it up on Exodus 17. Those guys, lose, they begin to win, all right? And then God raises the stick up, or Moses raises the stick up again, and then, and then the Israelites begin to win, and they fall. And, and suddenly, these two guys have to come and hold up Moses' hands. And do you want to know what it's written there? It's written, write down what happened in this battle, and write it down specifically so Joshua will read it. It's pretty amazing. He actually lists Joshua's name there. Joshua learned that power in battle is from the Lord. Joshua was with Moses on Mount Sinai. 
and he saw the glory of the Lord. Joshua was with Moses when they came off of Mount Sinai and saw how the people had already fallen into idolatry. Joshua learned the terribleness of the sin and especially the sin of God's people. Joshua then is with Moses. When Moses leaves the tabernacle, Joshua stays in the tabernacle. Joshua knows that God exists and he knows that he's present with his people. This is all before Joshua is sent out to be a spy. Because later, Joshua and Caleb, along with ten other folks, are sent out to spy into the promised land. Joshua comes back with Caleb, and they say, hey, look, we can do this. But the other ten say, no way, and the majority rules. Joshua learns that the majority rule is not always right. Joshua is already learning what it means to be strong and courageous, right? Joshua, later on in the book of Numbers, stands up for Moses. And when the other people are prophesying, he stands up and goes, Moses, tell them no so that you are recognized as the one who is special before God. And Moses goes, would it be that all of the people prophesy? Joshua learned that this isn't about the self becoming great in the eyes of other humans, but about God's glory being revealed. And then Joshua is ordained by the very hand of God in Numbers 26. His leadership comes and is derived from God and nowhere else. And then finally, in Deuteronomy, Joshua learns that God is the one who empowers him. That God has promised to be with him and will be with him. In the death of Moses, he learns that God's servants are dispensable. That God will raise up other leaders after him. Joshua remembers all these things when God speaks to him. And Joshua responds to those things. Listen to what it says in verse, 15, in verse 10 here. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions. For within three days you are to pass over this Jordan and go in to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. He immediately hears God, and what does Joshua do? He goes. He goes right away, and he begins obeying God, telling the people, get yourselves ready in three days, we're heading out. And then he speaks to the two and a half tribes that that actually get to stay east of the Jordan. That's where their land is. And he says to those who are going to fight with the rest of the Israelites, you come with us and your wives and your children can stay here. And Joshua focuses the people on the gift that God gives them. He doesn't focus them on the battle, but he focuses them on the very thing that God focused on when God spoke, which was his gifting, his giving them something. And then finally, he reminds them of rest. Joshua reminds the people of the rest that they will have. When the land is theirs, When this land that is a place for God to preside with his people is cleared of their enemies who want to fight them and crush them, and there is finally rest. That's what Joshua does. That's how he responds here. And the people have an interesting response as well. Look at 16 to 18 with me. And the people, they answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. 
Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses, whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words. Whatever you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. These people respond to him. Who are these people? These are the children of the wilderness, right? You remember that when the spies said that we are going and we're going to go check out the land and they came back and they said, there's no way, we can't do it. That the people said, we're not going. And God said, then therefore, you're going to wander in the desert for 40 years until all of you who are of age to have gone into the promised land die and I'll take your children in. So these children have watched every one of their parents, every one of their relatives, everyone die. Everyone. And they have buried them in the wilderness. They have seen God fulfill his promise. And only Joshua and Caleb have survived the wilderness of that entire generation. These people have seen God work have seen God's seriousness and His holiness and His resoluteness that His people would obey Him. They have seen it. They have seen their parents' failure to be strong and courageous. And they respond, we will be strong and courageous. Just like we were and obeyed Moses. And right there you ought to go, whoa, I don't know if I want that kind of obedience because we see very quickly that the way that the people obeyed Moses wasn't always great, but they were resolute. And we actually read in Joshua that for the age and the era of Joshua, the people were resolute. They were faithful. They were obedient. They clung to the word of God. And God took them into the promised land. But you know what's interesting is that the New Testament picks up right here with this concept of rest. And in Hebrews chapter 4, you can go read it, and it says, In the day of Joshua... When rest was offered, that rest that was offered was an incomplete rest. And if that rest was incomplete, there must be another rest that is offered. Now here is one of the most exciting things about Joshua. Because Joshua here in the Old Testament is a man who God raised up to take his people into the promised land where God said, I will dwell with you, I will be your God, and you will be my people, and you must obey. And within one generation, the people began to turn away. One of you wrote me this past week and said, talk to me about judges. What in the world is going on in judges? And I still have got to pen that email because the right, re the right response is the sinfulness of humanity makes itself known. And so where is this rest? Joshua was actually renamed by Moses. His first name meant he saves. But then Moses named Joshua Joshua, which means God saves. Joshua is Jesus' Hebrew name. Jesus is Greek for Joshua. God saves. And how does this Joshua help us see our Joshua? Jesus is the one who trusted in God in every way, the God of promise. Jesus was the one who was steeped in Scripture, wasn't he? In the temptation in the wilderness 
When the devil came to him, time after time, Jesus responded according to the law of God. In fact, in one way, Jesus said that it was his very food to do the will of the Lord. That's what he said. Jesus trusted God even to death so that Jesus would defeat our ultimate enemy as human beings, sin and the devil. And Jesus did it perfectly. Jesus did it perfectly. That's why he was raised from the dead. That's why Jesus, our Joshua, sits now at the right hand of the Father. That's where he is. He is alive. He's not dead. And he is our commander. He is the one who in the Great Commission said, go and make disciples. The Apostle Paul, one who was actually made a disciple, says go and be reconciled. And in many ways, Jesus' conquest is mirrored to Joshua's in the book of Acts, right? All the way to this very day. How do you understand that? Where do you fit in? Well, you know the Apostle Paul says it. For I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. That Jesus lives in us. God's Joshua. God's salvation. And you see, our conquest today, unlike Joshua's, which was geographically the land described for us, the landscape of our conquest is the souls of women and men. And you see how it fits into this call for evangelism, the Great Commission. And it starts with our own souls, our souls, our souls. And make no mistake, the conquest of Jesus is a conquest of death unto life. It is a conquest of death of self. I pummel my body and I make it my slave. The conquest of death unto life. That we would remember that our life is found in Christ. And so finally, what is our strength? What is our be strong and very courageous? It is not just to meditate on the law of God. It is certainly that. Jesus said, look, I came not to dissolve the law, but that the law in every sense would be held up and fulfilled. He's the one that says, you will be held accountable, loving the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, loving your neighbor as yourself. Our strong and courageous is to meditate, to don't let it depart from our lips, not just the law of God, not just the word of God, but the word who became flesh, that our hope in Christ would not depart from us, that it's what we would speak of, it's what we would meditate on, it's how we would encourage one another, that we would be set free, no longer slaves to our own passions, our own sins but that we would live out the freedom to die to ourselves that Christ would be glorified. Our Joshua didn't die. Our Joshua became a king. Christ the king. And we are first and foremost subjects to him.
And he has told us, take up our cross and follow him as he redeems the souls of women and men. What will it cost you? It will cost you your life. It will cost you your life. What is the promise that God will never leave you or forsake you? He has given you the gift of all gifts, His Son, Jesus Christ. And He has given you rest. Why do you spend your money on that which is not bread and your labor for that which doesn't satisfy? When the promise that is before us is the promise of Joshua that God saves. We've got a lot to learn about Joshua. We've got a lot of themes to go through. There are a lot of hard things here. But the question that's posed for us today is who, to whom will you listen? To whom will you listen? Because you listen to somebody all the time. Will it be the lies of deceit that you can find rest somewhere else? Or will it be the God who promised never to leave us or forsake us? The Spirit of Christ in you that says, be still, rest, be strong, and very courageous. Let's pray.